Really Charlie podcast. A weekly show with the one person to make you say, Really Charlie? On the Really Charlie podcast. Tune in. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast. My name is... It's the Really Charlie Podcast. Excuse me. I wanted to play an encore, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, welcome, everybody. I'm Charlie Perry, and this is the Really Charlie Podcast. Today's guest is Lynn Hess, an author of many, many books and uh, very, very moving stories. And um, I am so glad to have her on here. Um, we met through mutual friends and, um, I'm so happy to, to have her on here and highlight some of the great things that she has accomplished as an author and, um, and hear her story and her inspiration to write these great stories. So everyone, Lynn Hess, how you doing? I'm doing good, Charlie. And thank you so much for inviting me to the podcast today. Yes, it's, uh, it's an honor and I'm, I'm so great. Um, we already have our friend Jeff Shaw writes, um, another great author doing the same thing that you do, um, and probably inspired by the many things that you and I both are inspired by. And that's just our life skills, our life things that we've been involved in. And, uh, so let me ask you one thing. Um, how long have you been writing? Uh, well, Seriously, as they say, you know, full time, um, uh, probably since about two late 90s, early okay. 2000s. But, um, you know, before then, I I think you probably know from my background that I was a sacred dance teacher and I did all my choreography and wrote things for productions and so forth and always journaled. And um so I played around with things like that, took a few courses here and there. And originally I was an English major in college, but that took about 20 years to complete because um, mm. I had kids but and started law enforcement. But. Nice, nice. Yeah. I, but, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, so towards the end of my career, I knew that uh, I was becoming less uh, entranced with the job. And as we had said before the broadcast, the administrators uh, weren't making my job easy. Mm -hmm. I had made lieutenant about three years prior. And I really missed being on the street. I'm a real one-on-one -on -one kind of gal. And uh, I had loved that. I worked the high crime area in DeKalb County. And um, I really liked working, um, you know, out there doing the job. And so when I made lieutenant, you know, you're kind of that middle management and you got to take all of the stuff from the upper echelon and, and then try to transmit that to your sergeants. And that just wasn't near as much fun. Mm -hmm. And I had put up with some sexism, as you might imagine, along the way. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I uh, there was an incident where I was not on duty that day, but one of the guys at the pumps was telling me from from uh, the SWAT unit, he was really upset because they had had a woman who was being raped mm -hmm. and uh, she was had been taken, kidnapped by her ex. She'd been divorced for 10 years and had done everything right. You know, taking out the, you know, the temporary protective order. She hadn't gone back with them. She never lived with them again, never, you know, was involved with them again. Anyway, 
So SWAT is surrounded and they're gonna go in. <clears throat> and when the chief finds out that she's married to this guy, he says, well, ain't nothing happened to her that hadn't happened to her when she's married, so go 10-8. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. you know, so I, I tried to talk to this young officer who was obviously bothered by it and so forth, and I go in and I'm talking to my captain. He pulled me in for some reason, probably for just to find out what I, you know, he was one of those who just came in kind of when he wanted to. Mm -hmm. He was there that day and he pulled me in and, he, and I was probably briefing him. And he said the same thing about this woman. And I just remember thinking, if I don't retire, I'm going to tell people really what I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to just, you know, let her fly. Yep. <laughs> I didn't want to go out that way. Okay. So, um, so I took a little vacation, went to Mobile, Alabama, where this book is set and where I started writing the story. And uh, the first couple of chapters came out while I was still there. And uh, because I think I think I found where the white supremacy group met in the billion part. That's in my book. Okay. And so um, I came home and I said, you know, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I think I want to write. And I want to dance some more. Life is short. And uh, I had my, I was 52 or three then. And I said, you know, I can retire at 50. So I think I'm going to do that. Of course, you take half pay and it's like, right? yeah, yep. you don't know if you're going to survive or not. But um, yeah, so that's what I did. And I've been writing since then. I had joined a writing group prior to that. Um, and, you know, you get your critique group and you go through the whole thing where it takes you 10 years to learn how to write. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, paid my dues on, on the, in that perspective. And so, yeah, so I'm on my fourth book, the sequel to the first book. And uh, I wanted to show in Well of Rage, which is the first crime novel. I really started that with the, uh, you know, the really basic was to show female police officers and how they really can do the job and how they do the job. Mm -hmm. Not to glamorize it, not to say that, you know, yes, I feel like we are heroes from time to time, but mostly, you know, it's that day to day stuff, right? That you do for that nobody's going to talk about. That, sure. person, that person you helped out on the roadway, um, that's really the, the things that I'm the most proud of is that I actually feel like I serve my community. That's a. That's a great feeling and pretty much the way I feel the same way um, throughout my career is I always try to um, do the best I could. I didn't take I don't know as an answer. You know, I, I didn't give I don't know as an answer. And that was one thing that I, I stood by is not telling the community or the public I don't know because they're coming to you for answers. So, and, and when someone's asking you that, no matter what level you are, um, you should come up with some kind of answer. Um, and even if it's an answer that they don't want to hear, or they do want to hear, you still give them an answer. And then there was too many times that I've come across different situations with other people on the job and they would say, I don't know. They'll tell people, I don't know. Maybe call here, maybe call there, maybe call City Hall. I'm like, wait a minute. They're asking you a question. Just, you know, try to find the answer. Exactly. It doesn't it doesn't take a lot to say, hey, okay, Miss Hess, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take your name and number and I'm gonna call you right back. Um, I'm gonna try to find this answer, all right. And then you make those calls and you try to come up with something. You can only do one task at a time. So if your task is tied up with trying to find an answer for Miss Hess, then you should be doing that, you know, and and go from there. You know, if you can delegate it to someone else, then do that. But at least you get back to, you know, that that constituent, that that um, citizen and say, hey, all right, this is the answers. But, yeah. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you have to think outside the box. I mean, I realize a lot of officers felt like, you know, it's my job to go. If there's no crime being committed, then, you know, 
it's not my problem. I agree. Yep. Uh, but I had a situation um, where we kept getting calls at this project um, because this young man, I guess he was maybe 10, 11, 12 years old, he kept running away. Mm-hmm. And his mother would call, and we'd find him, we'd bring him back, you know, and I'd thing. And so I had a chance to talk to him. And uh, finally, after several calls, I usually don't try to get into people's personal life, but I said, ma'am, she said, I just don't know what to do. And I said, well, ma'am, I said, you know, this man that you're living with, he doesn't like this guy. Yeah. And he has made that very clear to me. And I'm sure that you know that too. I said, as long as you keep living with him, he's going to keep running away. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I don't think I can make it without this guy in the house. I don't think, you know, I can't put food on the table. And I said, well, uh, you don't think what, what I think I said, what are you doing for living or something like that? She said, I don't know how to read and write. And, you know, this was after several conversations and she had confidence in me and trusted me. Yes. And I said, well, ma'am, you can get it. You can go to night school and get your GED and they'll teach you everything you need to know and you can get a better job. She said, are you kidding me? It's free. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I had done some kind of literacy work or something. And I had the phone number at home. I went and got it. I gave it to her. She got her GED. And the kid, I mean, I'm I'm not saying I was the one that caused this all to happen. I'm just saying I gave her one piece of information. Mm-hmm. She went from there. And her son ended up owning a bunch of dry cleaning plants before I left. Very nice. You know, so... These are the stories where maybe that wasn't considered police work mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in the traditional sense, but it prevented domestics, which definitely is, you know, a dangerous situation for everybody. Sure is. Sure is. Man, I, I like even more because you're doing things that I, I've done in my career. And uh, I would have loved to work, you know, for you and because we have that same kind of police work uh we have that same kind of philosophy when it comes to police work you know i'm just trying to help out people and that's one of the primary reasons why i did it and um it's nice to hear that you have that same philosophy lynn i'm gonna i want i want to first say hello to michael Samayo, who's a constant supporter of the really charlie podcast and he's also a great writer that he's trying to get his first book out. So that's coming up soon. So it's nice to see him in the comment section, you know, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to have a great book soon coming out and, uh, I can't wait until he's done with it. Um, so feel free, Michael, you know, go to Lynn's website, www.lynnhess.com and check out all of her books, all of her different stories there. That's, uh, it's great, and it's definitely something that I think you would like. So check her out. You too, Jeff. Uh, let's see. Um, what I want to do is I want to share your website along this podcast. So, Can I um, share you the, the front cover of my new book? Because I'm going to like Sure, sure. Okay, can you can – you, it's kind of blurry, but – Yeah, okay. that is very, very nice. I um, – I wanted, you know, the the top, the taps, the the officer playing the taps is a stock photo, but the one behind it was taken in Mobile, Alabama, in Africatown. Mm-hmm. My husband took that on one of our trips. He's a professional photojournalist with the Caterish. Very nice. And so he took this shot, and um, that's also how the back part of the back is part of that too. All right. So, um, but anyway, so it has. He had a picture of uh, a church that was partially in ruins, and this cross was carved into the stone chimney. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get that in the background. And um, so, anyway, we, I'm just proud that my husband was part of that and that we were able to um, pull it off where, where I felt like that we were getting the essence of the story, you know, or at least making p- people curious about the essence of the story. Very nice. 
Very nice. Um, in fact, um, Lynn, if you can go to your Facebook page and try to share. Um, if you already haven't, you probably already did because I see, I think some of your friends yeah. commenting. Uh, yeah, Tanisha. Uh, yes. Hello. How you doing? That's so nice. That's a, Isn't that great, you know, that we can interact like this and have our friends just, you know, say a few things. And uh, so Dean takes the best photos, which is awesome. That's nice. Yeah. To hear. He actually won a uh, photojournalist prize through um, the Atlanta Press Club last year hmm. for his story that he did for Shermantown, which is uh, a traditionally black neighborhood in Stone Mountain. Yes. And if you know anything about Stone Mountain, you know that the KKK used to walk mm -hmm. the Mountain, to go up the mountain to have their cross burnings and their meetings. Yes. So um, anyway, he did a really great job on that story. And it was actually critiqued by the Los Angeles Press Club. So my husband is usually like, yeah, you know, he just blows anything like that off. But he was proud of this. He's actually got the award up on the map. <laughs> that is very nice. Yeah. I like that. Hey, sounds like he can be a future guest on the Really Charlie podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so we're going to have to, you and I will have to talk later on and uh, and uh, try to convince him to come on, um, you know, in the next few months. The, uh, you're speaking of, <coughs> of awards, you have the Jenny Helderman Award. Um, of it's as the sycamore grows. Can you explain that award to me? Okay, that actually, Jenny. Oh, let's see. When did I meet Jenny? Um, Jenny wrote Sycamore, and she did. Um, this is a not nonfiction book, mm -hmm. and she and I um, were members of Atlanta Writers Group. And uh, Jenny's a great gal. I already and like her. She's a, did a lot of social work, et cetera. And she read across a woman who had actually been taken into the woods by her husband, totally cut off where she was like living in 1800, you know, no water, no electricity, that kind wow. of stuff. And she had several children and they lived like that for several, I, th I want to say around five years. And she just about starved to death. But anyway, you know, and he would lock her in when he'd leave and stuff like that. Well, anyway, she finally got up enough nerve and somehow she got out and she interviewed the woman and the man. So she has both perspectives in the book. So Jenny um, is just, you know, and, and when I did the, um, I got into a, uh, as one of my short stories got into a Me Too anthology mm -hmm. about violence to women. Um, and uh, edited by Elizabeth Selvin. And I had a fundraiser for the Georgia Coalition Against Domestic Violence and had several women, and Jenny was one of those women, uh, to come and talk about their books and dealing with domestic violence. I had some, because I'm a performer and I'm in other dance troops, Interplay is kind of a theater dance slash storytelling group that I'm in. Yep. And so I had some of those people come in and talk about their stories their true stories of domestic violence date rape etc and we raised a thousand dollars for that organization so jenny was part of that also very nice but i had won the cocktail award through um at press um which is no longer in existence the oak press and that's how i got my first book published through that small press so that may have been what you picked up on as far as that okay. Yep. The uh that's great. Um let me see. I just wanna I recommend Jenny's book. Very well no. done, very professional in her interviewing. No, I, I will I'm gonna definitely put that on my wish list. Um because I learned from other authors and um and her story and the stories that she's writing about is something that appeals to me, you know, like what you know, Jeff Shaw that's on the, on the, in the audience right now, you know, he has some things that interest me. And the reason I like to grab those stories is because it helps me as a writer, 
um, because some of the things that you may come across, Jeff will come across, and um, Jenny, those are the things that I experienced already in my life that I want to kind of put out there, but I just don't know how to. And, um, you know, so I get a lot of uh, advice and inspiration from different people. And one of the things that they do say is um, join writers clubs, you know, writers groups, you know, do that. And that's one thing that I didn't get involved in until later on. I was already self-publishing a lot of things. So, um, so those are the one of the things that those are some of the things that I use other authors to do. Jeff says, good cops think alike. <laughs> you got that right. You get that right. The, um, so yeah. I want, I, I want to ask you one thing before, um, we continue a matter of respect. Um, that's your latest book. And we have, and I'm going to mention these. I, I have to mention the titles here. I mean, we have the website. People can go to the website and see everything, you know. But however, I just want to make it on. I want to mention it on here for a reason. It says, Well, well of Rage, which was the, uh, that was before, you know, the um, matter of, what was it? Um, a matter of respect. So, this is very interesting, and it says, another kind of hero. Now, I like that, but I, I want to ask you a little bit about that, too. 40 Knots Burn. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. Now, I started watching an, a podcast with you and the publisher of this book. You guys were going, and then I didn't finish it. So um, that's an interesting title, all right? But I want to go back to this one, the previous one, Another Kind of Hero. Okay. Who is Another Kind of Hero? Without giving me, I don't want you to spoil the story. Okay. But what are you, in, in a nutshell, what are you talking about? And who are you talking about? As far as the, that title, you know, was it? Yeah, I think, I think it goes along with, uh, from the very beginning, that what I consider a hero and what, you know, is on the, the adventure series or whatever might not, might not necessarily be the same thing. You know, if somebody, if somebody just, uh, you know, an act of kindness or whatever, but in another kind of hero, um, we have a couple of sister sleuths. We mm -hmm. have an um, undercover DEA agent. And um, it's set in, in a small town of Forsyth, Georgia, not the county, the, the city near Barnesville. And we have a public public safety training center right off of 75 in Forsyth. And so I'm very aware with that area and all of the big you know, family gatherings and so forth in Forsyth. My people live, have lived there for a while. I have never lived there. Okay. But I come from a small town in Missouri, Web City. So I'm very familiar with how small towns work. All right. Okay, so... Um, my mother told me the story. My mother and my father were really great storytellers, oral storytellers. And she told me this story. She was in her 70s. And she went to a small church, Methodist church. And it was a Sunday. It was a Wednesday night prayer meeting or something. And they were getting ready to leave. It was summertime. And this guy pulled up on a motorcycle. And he had full leathers. And he had long kind of orangey hair and ponytail and all that and chaps on and everything. And he came in and he said, well, I just felt the presence of the Lord here and I wanted to come in and see if I would be welcomed. Um, I have a black girlfriend. She's a truck driver and we thinking about settling down in this area. So I guess they chatted for a little while and mom and her friend who had driven her because my mom had Parkinson's. Okay. By that time, so her friend said, well, I got to go. So they get in the car and they leave with the guy with the minister. So they get halfway back to my mom's house and they start imagining that this guy is a killer. Okay. Okay. And so mom, so her friend, Julie, says, well, I'm going to drop you off. I'm going to go back and check on the minister. And so that's what she does. And, and it's like this little 
um, Johnsonville Road is like a two, you know, two lane little asphalt street. And there's um, the things that cross it right, right by the church on the side of the church. It's um, gravel. Yeah. Just a dirt road. And there's a, you know, old building setting on all of the other three corners. And one of them is an old, like 18th century stone post office. <clears throat> so Julie pulls around. She's got a little compact car. She pulls around where she can see and she doesn't think anybody can see her. And by that time, it's getting dark. And the guy comes out and starts his motorcycle and lights Julie right up. <laughs> so, so. You know, what What this woman thought she was going to do, I don't know, even if that had been going on. But it turns out the guy was a Rhodes Scholar in religion. Okay. Nice. <laughs> so, so, anyway, that story and the visualization of this guy, he became my DEA undercover agent. Nice. And his girlfriend is also in the book, in my mind, what she would look like. She lives in Sherman Town. I, I let her live in Sherman Town, so I got to do some research of Sherman Town. And um, it's funny because they don't have anything in the library. But if you go up and ask about it, then they bring out all these papers that's like hidden behind, you know, mm-hmm. in fact, they bring up all this information, for you, um, which is interesting. So Mountain's still still dealing, still dealing with their uh, racial issues. Uh, so um, but anyway, I got a wonderful woman to interview um, also who's willing to uh, be interviewed from Shumtown. And so um I feel like I did a good job on that. But anyway, so another kind of hero, there's also a ghost in this book. And I did not want to write a paranormal mm-hmm. mystery. I wanted it to be a traditional mystery because I'd written this crime novel. It was very gritty, you know, and I decided to use my humor, which I do have some occasionally. <laughs> All right. Let's go do some humor and use a little more humor. Uh, try to do a traditional mystery, uh, which is usually in a small town, whether it's Lou's sisters and so on. So um, I had it about halfway done. And I woke up with this character talking to me, and I swear I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. The character was talking to me, and it was very insistent. Wanda was very insistent she needed to be in the book. And she was a ghost. And I just did not want that. I did not want that because people immediately think it's kind of a woo-woo chick flick thing. And it's this book's not. And so I I fought it for two weeks and finally yep. I just gave in. And she becomes this um uh she can pick up signals and hears conversations through the wires and through the telephones that other people don't hear, and so she tries to pass it on. One of these sisters was her best friend in life, and she still she can stay there or go to her godson's mm-hmm. back and forth. So um, anyway, she becomes this conduit for information so that the two sisters can, you know, make sure make sure because people start getting murdered, and so uh, she helps out, makes sure they don't they don't they don't get murdered. Very nice. Yeah, but but to tell you about another kind of hero, you have to make up your own mind about that. Yeah, and then I already, I I was coming to that too because <laughs> I was like, well, there could be a bunch of heroes here. It could be mom. It could be yeah, the man so, with the child. So, there's just a few. There's quite a few there. So yeah. I, I love it. I love it already. I intentionally left it kind of open so that you could draw your own conclusions. Okay, now I'm gonna go back to well of rage and now this is what i'm thinking all right this is my perceptions here this is my little brainstorm here um it's rage that starts at a very young age you know and and i haven't read this book at all but this is what i get from this title um and if i had to um, i write poetry so if i had to write something this is something that i would basically start with some perceptions in my head um, and it's just a well of rage. So I would take that as rage that's being built up in a well and just contained and contained over a period of time. And then eventually something comes out, boom, and it just explodes everywhere. And that's what I'm getting from this title. Now, I don't know if it's going to end that way, but that's the way I would bring it out. 
And the craziest thing is to have some real life stories similar to that, where there's a well of rage inside a couple of people that I know and they end up exploding. Um, and, uh, so that's what I'm getting from that story on that title rather. Okay. So you put, I'm just going to read this for the audience in well of rage, a new police recruit, Carly is about to mess up her first crime scene. She found evidence of a murder, but her training officer orders her to stand, um, orders her to hand it over then pockets it. So um, maybe there is some rage, but I'll let you explain the rest. You know, what was you doing? What was you thinking when you gave this title up? Okay. Well, the, the bones of this cold case murder, which is a black teenager from 1974, mm-hmm. uh, he has been missing since then. And so his bones are found. Carly and her FTO get this call. And um, she's actually the one that finds the, the uh, Hispanic man who has found it in the well, gives it to her. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a ring with initials TWW on it. And um, so the well, that's the part of the well that comes in. And then I started the book very angry. Mm-hmm came out with a lot of things I needed to work out. Uh, it's amazing how long it took uh, to be able to uh, trust enough to even go into a group and participate. I, I had become very uh, jaded and I didn't trust anybody and I, you know, I just had a lot of things to work on and probably had some PTSD. I think uh, most officers come out with some of that. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so um, I, I was just so angry at all of the, um, I'm trying not to cuss. Well, you uh, can cuss. This is the really probably <laughs> podcast. So really say all the crap I put up with. I'll say that. All right. Uh, so, um, yeah, and and so I, you know, and I'm really, which is not that unusual. I think there are quite a few police officers I think that are introverts, but I agree. Even though I, I'm a, you know, performer and so forth, I am an introvert, and so I, I had to kind of, you know, and of course the writing helped, but I, um, my mother was ill, and there was a lot of things going on in my life too to make that decision. But I, I was. Um, I needed to take some time for me and um, the the writing helped, but it took, that's one of the reasons, I mean, a lot of, lot of critique, you know, a lot of people who give out advice about writing will say that it takes 10 years to really learn to write. And I thought, oh, it couldn't take that long. Right. Cause I'd already kind of muted yourself. I did. And you, I'll check on my end, but I think you're muted. Now you hear me? You hear me? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? <laughs> oh my goodness. Hello? I don't know what happened. That says it. I don't know. It's muted. When I hit, maybe you can sign on and sign off again. Just come right back into it. Oh, okay. Oh, I can hear you. You can hear me. Yep. Okay. I don't know what happened. Um. So, but there is a. Mental health is one of the things that I encourage for officers, and I was part of a group who was able to get, we had nothing in DeKalb County when I started in 1980. And um, first we got peer counseling. There was a group of like four or five of us. Mm-hmm. And we got peer counseling and then we got EAP for to like 10 free visits for people. And um, 
you know, over a course of several years, it took several years to get that. Um, but in the book, uh, A Well of Rage, uh, the FTO officer is burnt out. And he, um, you can see the progression in the book of how he is mentally deteriorating. Hmm. And that was deliberate because I feel like that, again, we're expected to continually day in, day out, handle these situations that if are not life and death are critical. And, um, you know, seeing somebody decapitated on the road, <laughs> it takes its toll. Yes, so, um, so mental health is important and usually not acknowledged by, at least not by my superiors when I was working. Hope it's usually, It usually takes that individual officer or individual officer's family to start the mental health healthness, um, you know, relief and, and trying to find something that's therapeutic. But it's, it's usually on our end where we have to come up and seek and find those things, you know, and they offer it and, and, but when knowing they offer it, when you're day, day three or four, in the academy or after graduation that this is what we have offered to you um and then all of a sudden you know you, you may sign a paper and that's the end of it but they never bring it back up to you later on um unless it's in in service but i think it they should always have daily reminders what are you dealing with are you dealing with something speak to someone call someone i think that that should be more that should have a more progressive or proactive um, thing when it comes to police departments and police officers. So, well, the briefing well, was not offered for anything in DeKalb County except for shooting incidents. Mm -hmm. And there's, of course, you know, many, many calls. Um, one I worked on Glenwood Road uh, where a mom was crossing the street from. Um, where she lived, uh, a big high-rise kind of place, and she was crossing the street. Of course, it was not in the middle of the street uh, to go to a bus stop, and she had two toddlers. And I don't know if she let go of, I don't know, but anyway, both toddlers were hit by this truck. Wow. Uh, I had a total of six officers and myself working it, and every one of those officers had trauma that day. One, one of the officers, ugh, sorry. It's all right. <laughs> Still gets me. One of the officers had to take the mom to the hospital. And we already, we already knew one of them was not alive and the other one was low sick. And she wanted to get on the ambulance with them. With the mm -hmm. baby. I would, I'm a mother. I would have wanted to be on the ambulance, right? And the paramedic said, look, we need to work this child. And we're not sure she's going to make it and we don't want her on the truck. So it was my job because everybody else was tied up doing other things. <clears throat> and we had to hold the scene for TSU. Yes. Uh, so, and the driver of the pickup truck was totally, I mean, he was a, he was a middle-aged guy and he was totally torn up. So everybody was really bad off that day. But anyway, the woman reared back, she was going to hit me. And it flashed through, you know, I was like, I'm going to have to fight this woman whose child is dying. And if I was her, I'd want to be on the truck too. And all mm -hmm. this is going through your mind in a couple of seconds, right? Yes. <laughs> and fortunately, a crowd had formed and somebody grabbed her and pulled her back. I do not, I hope to God I would have been able to just have, you know, just wrap my arms around her or something. I don't, I don't know because, you know, what can you do if she's gonna if she's gonna hit you in the face? You're gonna have to avoid the punch and then you know yeah. maybe I could have whirled her around and handcuffed her. But you know you don't want to you don't arrest this woman who has two child children that are dead or dying. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, that was the first time that we ever had, as far as I know, any police officer ever been debriefed. Um, and I pulled in uh, the, the fire department had started doing it. And so I pulled, I got their information and I made sure that that group of officers got debriefed. And that Very was the 
first time we had done that for in our department that I know of. Very nice. Um, and it, it's so and so, so, so important. Um, you know, uh, I watch a lot of individuals come on, on the job, you know, and have some conversation with them. But one of the things I always lead, um, end the conversation with is, is to make sure that they don't, you know, don't go silent. Don't think that you can take everything and stomach everything. You need to talk to someone, you go talk to someone. And guess what? Your family may need to talk to someone also. Mm-hmm. And it's all free. Doesn't cost you anything. You can go, you can go seven days out of a week. You can make a conversation with someone every single day about something that's bothering you. And guess what? Something may bother your spouse, your husband, your wife, um, your children, you know, maybe your best friend. Things may be bothering them because of what you're going through. And guess what? It gets offered to them for free, all paid by the agency, the town, the, the city, whatever it may be. And I used to always tell them to utilize that. Yeah, you got to get past the stigma mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, you would, you know, if you if you were just a little stronger, you wouldn't have to go do that, right? You wouldn't have yeah. to go to You got to get past that. And, um, and I, fortunately, I was never... Um, I never felt like that. I, you know, um, although I do call, come from blue, po- blue collar people mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I think our therapy, uh, you know, there was no, not, none about going to see a psychiatrist or anybody like that or be can- counseled unless you were going to the pastor or something. But, you know, if you needed to work something out, you went out and, you know, mow the grass or something. Mm-hmm. You, you started you started he doing stayed, the labor, right? Yeah, he stayed busy, right? He stayed busy until you worked it out. And I'm not say I'm not saying that's not sometimes therapeutic, you know, like going in and scrubbing the toilet uh, can be therapeutic if you if you just need to get that energy out. Mm-hmm. But but it's not the, but we're talking beyond that. We're talking beyond frustration. We're talking beyond uh, you know, slight worries or anxiety. We're talking about something that goes where it's interfering with your decision process, it's interfering with how you can interact with other people, then, then you need to go talk to someone. Exactly. In my opinion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to have fun purchasing all your books and reading them. Um, it's, it's great. You know, here's one thing about my book. My book list is, is, is endless. You know, it's just, Every day I'm adding something to it, you know, and uh, it's uh, it's going to cost me a pretty big penny for a lot of my books that I have on my wish list. But it's all worth it because, it, you know, it's every book that I have on the shelf has some kind of a relationship. You know, you and I, our relationship on this podcast. So when I see in each and every title on my shelf, I am able to, you know, explain I say, look, this is, this is Lynn Hess. I had her on my podcast. She was a great storyteller. Hey, she was just one of those cops similar, just like Papa, man. She was just like Papa, spoke to people, did this, that, you know, she was awesome. She was human. She had a great heart, you know? And so I want you to read this. All right, you read this story. This is going to be a great story for you to read. And then my grandchild takes it or one of my relatives or even a friend and they read it. But every book that I have on my shelf, I can have a personal relationship with every author on that book, on each book on my shelf. And it means a lot to me because when I used to listen to some of the elders way back when, and they would have me somewhere, you know, talking to me about different things. And when we were in a library or in their library, personal library, they would always have a story to tell me. And um, so that's what I try to do also. Lynn, we wanna, what I want you to do, Lynn, is, is this is, um, I'm gonna ask you one question, but I wanna give you an opportunity to talk about some things that you want other authors to know about you or maybe some of the stories. Um, if you wanna give advice, you wanna, 
mention anything about an event that's coming up, you can do that. But feel free to talk about anything you want in the next probably five minutes or so, four or five minutes. Okay. Uh, All right. Okay. Let's see. Um, well, uh, I am going to have a couple of launches. I had, was offered a free location because I'm part of the Walton writers group. And that's kind of a long story how I got involved with that. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, they have a Walton Arts Center in Monroe and um, it's very nice. It's got all sorts of really uh, artisans in there and, and a book note. And so um, we get to hold our sisters in crime meetings there as well as the Walton writers. Very nice. So I'm going to have a book signing there on December the 11th which is a Sunday from two to four. And I am also going to have one in Tucker, the corner cup, uh, December the 4th, uh, same time, two to four. And uh, that's on main street in Tucker. So um, I've been doing those two things, trying to get that out there. And of course, trying to get the, I'm going through a small press, Scribbler's press. Uh, the paperback is up on Amazon, but the uh, ebook needs to be taken down. I don't know what happened when Scribblers put it up, but the um, formatting is off. So okay. please don't get an ebook right now, please. Okay. But the paperback is up on Amazon, and also you can get it through Scribblers Press, uh, ScribblersWeb.com, and get ten percent off. Okay, and. Um, what else do I want to talk about? I want to talk about the fact that um, um, Africatown is one of the subplots in both Well of Rage and um, A Matter of Respect. Mm -hmm. And um, and the issues we've been talking mental health and um, um, is also in the book because the book starts out with Carly making an off-duty arrest. It's an armed robbery subject, subject, uh, subject and um, in progress, and he turns out to also be mentally ill. And so she thinks she does, you know, that she's done everything she can possibly do and do it right. But, you know, when you're at a scene like that, there's a lot of chaos. You're trying to rope off the scene, keep it stable, let nobody walk out the door. There's a lot of things going on at the same time. And she handcuffs this guy to a cart mm -hmm. and starts roping off the area and all of that. And um, he bangs his head on the cart. She rushes to him and has a little talk. Jesus come to Jesus meeting and tells him, you know, look, you've got all these witnesses, so stop doing this. But she does not call the paramedics. And, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a wrestling match when she was taking him down. Uh, so as it later turns out, um, you know, there's these, these, besides the fact that there again is some missing evidence, which she had nothing to do with, but she can't prove that. Yeah. She, um, you know, she, she goes through this doubting process. She, she knows she followed procedure, but did she do everything she should have done for this man? And once once the man is at the jail this particular police department doesn't have anything to do with that that's a separate agency that takes care of the jail um but anyway the transporting officer is killed by this wow. in the south Point. so that's how it begins and then the interaction between the family members and friends of the family and you know and, and how Carly is reacting to that, you know, she begins to see that it is a matter of respect that people, that people will react in a certain manner if they think they are being disrespected mm -hmm. or if they think their relative was disrespected. No matter what actually happened, if they don't feel respected, then you're going to have problems. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's important. That's a real important part of this book is that um, that interaction, that human interaction, and how do you, even if you're even if you did your very very best that day, and we're on you know top of everything that day, you can still make 
unbeknownst to you, you can make somebody feel disrespected. Yes. It's it, it, and disrespect can go on. It, it, it can come from many, many things, you know, and uh, it could be a word, it could be a gesture, it could be anything. Um, and it could be the worst thing in the world to some people. So you're going to get that rage from that person, you know, whatever you may have done to them or, or you know, or said to them. Um, and I try to get people to understand there's certain words and certain gestures that you just don't do to some people. It becomes a very um, disrespectful thing, which could trigger into one of the most extreme incidents you ever came across and you couldn't and you'll never have any understanding about it until you find out where was the disrespect so um lynn i uh, i want to see i see kim's comment she's saying hi charlie and hi lynn um kim is uh kim was one of my favorite guests here you know and uh, uh great person and writer like Thank you, Kim, for coming. Thanks to her, I have this unbelievable Georgia connection because of that young lady right there. And um, I'm so happy that she came on my show through her, which led to me, to you, to Jeff, to um, George, to AJ Joyner. It just goes on and on and on and on. And I am so happy that um i was able to interview her and uh then she led me to her husband who's on here now hey, look at these wonderful people and now and it finally comes to lynn hess you were definitely the icing on the cake and i am so happy that i've met you and i'm gonna very i'm gonna i'm just i'm just if I wear a Georgia t-shirt, it's all because of you guys, every single one of you, you know, when I'm, um, because you guys have really meant a lot to me. And, um, and when you offer a guest to come on this podcast, I make sure I try to reach out to them and I have a couple more coming up. So I'm still not done. And it shows, it definitely shows through you guys that the support I'm getting, um, from from that great state is due to you and the numbers are great for me it really shows up and uh, i'm very very happy but uh i have a lot of visiting to do when i go to georgia not only to see my family but i gotta see my friends like you guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh look at this we love you i love you too this is great so i'm gonna ask you Lynn, the same question I asked all my friends here that came on before. Who would you like to see on the Really Charlie podcast? Um, well, there's so many writing friends I have. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, well, you can you can yeah. mention you can mention a few or okay. You can email me later and give me some names and uh okay I'll definitely uh, you know I don't know why this woman just popped in my head maybe because um but anyway Georgiana Fields is a horror she writes horror books okay and I usually don't read those and there's a lot of romance in the book and I usually don't read that kind of book mm-hmm. but um now it's gritty okay it's gritty but I really it's a it's a um you know um you know, it has fan- fantasy, fantasy characters in there. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, but I recommend her books and I think she's a great gal and she's funny and she'd make a good guest. All right. I'm definitely going to do that. I'm going to reach out to her. I'll, I'll contact you later so I can get her information and, uh, um, or I'll find it and then I'll reach out to them. There's, okay. uh, this, uh, it's it's crazy, but I want to get a lot of my guests back um, on the podcast, but I want to bring them to my fireside, the fireside platform, um, something new, something I'm enjoying. 
and I like to get them on there because the one thing about Fireside is that Fireside creators support each other. So they constantly are supporting people and and their guest. So you would get an unbelievable support. I mean, I had one guest on and uh, the podcast was shared 595 times. I've never experienced that until I joined Fireside. And it was amazing. Those numbers are amazing. So what I like to do is offer that support system um, and that audience to the guests that I've had and bring them on there so they can talk about their book, talk about their life, talk about their story, you know? Um, so Lynn, you, George, Kim, Jeff, you know, it's just his tons of my friend, Michael, that was on it. I want to eventually invite you guys to fireside. So I'm going to do that during 2023 and definitely talk about, it may be the same things that we talked about before. It may be something new. It may be something unrelated to writing books, you know, you know, Lynn, I might want to talk to you just about police work, you know, or I might want to talk to you about a lot of things, you know, and, uh, but, uh, just be aware and all you can do is say yes or no on my invite or maybe later in the future. But I, I, I want to put that out there. It's a yes right now. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, all right, we got Tanisha on here. I want to make sure her comment is shown. Um, and she says, just met, um, what's that? Georgie, all right, a few months ago. Nice, nice. I love it. We are going to, we're going to wrap up this podcast, but Lynn, I Ms. want, go Ms. ahead. Miss Tanisha would be a very good guest also. She oh. has, yes, she's a, a she's publisher a writer an editor you name it and uh she's great anyway she'd be great all right um <laughs> i tanisha i do this every week you know once a week sometimes twice a week but i'm definitely going to get you on here just because lynn recommended you and i honestly believe what she's saying so we're going to definitely get you on here i need as much good guest as i can get and um you're going to be one of them. So within the next, well, not by the end of the year, but 2023, I will reach out to you. Um, I'm going to definitely uh, share your name. Please put a request on, on my Facebook to be my friend. I would gladly be your friend. And, um, you know, and I'll keep in touch with you as far as the things you're doing. And I will actually share it on the Really Charlie podcast page here on Facebook. All right, Lynn. Woo -woo. Thank you so much. I've had a lot of, I mean, this has been really fun. I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm really, really, I anticipated a good show coming from you and uh, I got a great show. So I'm, I'm very happy with you. And uh, let's, uh, let's do this again. As I tell everyone, this is your official podcast. So you want to hear something, you want to put something on the podcast, let me know. I'm here on StreamYard, Anchor, Spotify, LinkedIn, Fireside Now, YouTube, with my own channel, Really Charlie channel on YouTube. So we got a, we got many things to use the platform for, but the one thing we want to do is highlight you, Lynn. So uh, thank you so much. I This has been so much fun, and I've just enjoyed everything that we discussed and I'm looking forward to Farsight. All right. And uh, please, anything, share on my page, you know, on the Really Charlie podcast page, your book, anything, your book signing, pictures, anything, tag me. I'll put it on there. And that's just another way to get your, your information out there. All right, everyone, check out www.linhess.com. Definitely a great site with some great books and great material. You know, you feel like you want to send another author or a reader a, a present during the holiday season, you know, regardless of whatever you celebrate, it's a great gift, you know, send the gift. It could be a gift of love, a gift of the holidays, a gift, gift to be spiritual, whatever. 
but a nice gift would be a book written by Lynn Hess. And mine's are coming soon. So, all right. Lynn, you, you Thank keep... Thank you, everybody, for coming. Yes. You're awesome. All right. I'll feel free to send me a message anytime. I'm available. All I can do is say yes or no. But when it comes to this podcast, I'm going to always say yes to you. Come back. Thank you so much. We'll All right. See you later. God bless. God bless. All you. right. I'm going to end this podcast with my favorite song from Lionel Peter Walker. And uh, everyone, stay in touch. And don't forget www.linhess.com. Take care. God bless. Love you guys. It's the really Charlie podcast. Yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yo, yo, it's the really Charlie podcast. Bumping to your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. Yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yo, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Bumping to your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. Really Charlie Podcast. Making memories last. Your time, my time, we all shine on the Really Charlie Podcast.